May my Lord Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, bless you, all my beloved brothers and sisters, and all of the people who are watching us in this teaching service. May God give you showers of blessings, no matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself, that God may look upon you, listen to you, and bless you greatly. Thank you very much. You may be seated, the brothers and sisters who are with me. May the Lord bless you and you also over there. You may find your seats. And we will continue with the wonderful story of the start of the Church of Our Lord Jesus Christ in its early beginnings. What the disciples lived a summary is what we have of those wonderful experiences that they lived once the Lord rose to heaven and gave them orders and left them that legacy of the preaching of the gospel all around the world. He told them to preach the gospel in all the world. And after, after having preached the gospel, that was when he would come or will come to take up his people. The Lord left that duty, that work to his apostles, to his disciples. And here, in the book of Acts, we find this story. It's a summary, a synopsis for me, because many things, thousands, I think thousands of miracles and wonders God did at that time through them using these disciples of the Lord. And from then on, many people who converted and received the Holy Spirit, and received the spiritual gifts. And they continued, up to a certain point. They followed the steps, and they continued to preach the gospel, the word of God, until the devil came to attack, to destroy, and to finish the church. That was the revelation that God also gave the Apostle Paul that the devil would be attacking and destroying. And that is what happened. Because after religions came, then came the divisions of them, and each one on their own looking for their own things, each one looking for profit, they became materialistic, and they began to satisfy themselves. Each person in their beliefs and their religion mixing the things of God with paganism. But, well, we are not going to elaborate on that topic too much. But we are going to delight ourselves. Here in Acts, we are going to go to chapter 16. I think it has 24 chapters. 
25. There are 25 chapters. That is very little. A wonderful story of so many miracles that the Lord worked. And it only narrates 25 chapters of it. And we delight ourselves. But we're not only going to delight ourselves. We are delighting ourselves. But also, we are edifying or building ourselves in a spiritual sense. Our life is edified, our spiritual life. Many people's lives are edified. Thousands of people, we can say. Because these events that happened over 2,000 years ago, more or less, is the same God. And He has been the same yesterday, today, and He will be forever. And since He is the same God, for Him, there is no time, there is no limit that does not exist for Him. And so today, we also, after 2,000 years, we are here before our God, also receiving these blessings, the promises, and seeing and hearing the manifestation of God, the miracles of God. That is wonderful. I invite some people to those who are here for the first time or newcomers to go to the church's website. There's the address. And that you may delight yourselves watching or reading testimonies of everything that God has done in our lives, of everything that God does for many people. And you will realize that God is the same yesterday and today because what we are going to read today and see are things that today God is also doing in our lives, in our congregations. Glory to the Lord. Thanks be to our God. He is a powerful God who fills all, who covers all. Our God covers the universe because he is the one that rules over it. And he is the one who works all of these wonders. And we are grateful that today we enjoy these blessings and we enjoy the presence of the Lord. Therefore, with all of the joy and happiness, we are going to open up to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 for those who have a Bible. Although today, most people do not have a hard copy. I wouldn't change my hard copy of the Bible for anything. Because that is where I delight myself by reading. I don't think it's the same reading a hard copy of the Bible than reading on a phone or a screen. For me, it's not the same. I feel the Holy Spirit more when I read the Bible in printed form. Because I read a verse and I stay there. I go back, I read it, I go back and reflect on it, and I speak to the Lord about what I'm reading. That is beautiful. That is why I like the printed copy. It says here in chapter 16, Then he came to Derby and Lystra. We are talking about Paul, the Apostle Paul, his travels, his journey. And also talking about a disagreement they had where he separated himself from Barnabas. 
and he chose Silas, they went to a different place. It says that he went through Syria and Cilicia or Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, which are cities close to the Mediterranean Sea. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. This Timothy is the same that we read about in the epistles of First and Second Timothy. It's the same person. And it says here that Timothy was a son of a Jewish woman, but his father was Greek. Verse 2, he was well spoken of, of Timothy, by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And we see here the wisdom that Paul had. We see that Paul did not act with fanaticism, but he was wise and said in order to avoid problems with the Jews, it's best for Timothy to be circumcised. And Paul knew that circumcision had no value. If they circumcise themselves, okay. If not, that's okay. So it didn't matter. But if we are going to avoid many problems with the Jews, then let him be circumcised. There's nothing to lose. And it says, as they went, in verse 4, and as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Glory to God. But how sad that time went by and all of this, the devil went and destroyed it. It says he destroyed the fold. But we are here in the presence of our Lord. And that Paul may not feel saddened because there are many sheep, which was the fruit of what he sowed. And it says here in verse 6, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. We do not know why we cannot understand what happened and why the Holy Spirit forbid them from preaching the gospel there in that place in Asia. But they obeyed. And it, it says, after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. The Holy Spirit also forbid that. Most likely, those people did not deserve the blessing from God. We do not know. We cannot speculate too much. Verse 8. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, 
this man from Macedonia who was a believer. He had seen a vision. And he was trying to convince or persuade Paul so that he would listen to that vision. And it says, Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. Because he saw that a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And so that was the vision that Paul had. He said, Well, I saw in a vision a man of Macedonia that asked me to go and help them. So I am going to obey that vision. And I'm going to go to that place, to that city. So it says that they sought to go to that place, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul knew how to interpret that vision. Today, God also gives us many visions. He also speaks to us today through visions. And that is why today, People, there are many people who say are Christians and say that they read the Bible and they congregate in Christian churches and they say to read the Bible. They have known the experiences that we live because many have come to our congregation. They've received prophecy and they've enjoyed it. And they learned that God speaks through prophecy, speaks through dreams and visions. And they say, well, in my church, there aren't any of these things. And they ask, what must we do? What should we do so that in our church also, God may manifest himself, that God may do the same things he does with you? That is where we go and speak to that person. And tell them that we need to believe. Believe in the whole doctrine that he teaches in his gospels. We cannot overlook chapters, nor can we overlook chapters of the Bible. But we need to reflect, believe in the Lord, accept, and wait for the Lord to manifest himself with all of those promises that he makes and that everything that we read about the manifestation of the Lord and the Holy Spirit and the gifts, ask the Lord to give that to us as well. We want to live that. And that is what we teach these people, the people who come from other places. Tell them to seek, to believe, to trust because they look at the Bible as something that has already passed. It is no longer of use and is only for a museum. But that's it. And so they begin to teach things that society lives nowadays. Talk about politics, about sociology, psychology, to talk about, well, all types of philosophy except for the word of God. And God is not going to manifest himself that way by giving them gifts. God is not going to manifest himself because God wants for us to seek him according to what the Bible says, according to the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. In broad terms, this is what we teach these people. And here we see, just as I was saying, when Paul saw this vision, he said, 
Yes, this means that I need to go to that city and speak to them because they need the gospel to be preached. That interpretation was good. And as I was saying before, I repeat, God does this with us today. And in verse 11, it says, Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran straight course to Samothrace, and the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony, and we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, in other words, water baptized. She begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Here we know, nowadays, that witchcraft, sorcery, divination, spiritualism, and many other things. That is the work of the enemy, work of Satan. And it says here that this girl had the spirit of divination, telling many people their fortune, charging people for it, of course. It says that she brought her masters much profit because she wasn't even the one to enjoy of the money of the divination. She was the one who would tell fortunes, yet she had someone else who was living off of her, of the work that she was doing. And it says that she brought her masters much profit. So it says in verse 17 that this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she was telling the truth. But that spirit of divination that this girl had thought that by saying the truth, Paul was going to be deceived. Paul and his companions were going to be deceived that they were going to fall in that trap because the evil spirit said the truth that they were children of the Most High God, that they were preacher of the good tidings of salvation. And that is what the devil does. The devil does these things using divination, using sorcerers, spiritualists, witches, he uses them, and when people go to them and says a truth, or two truths and eight lies, and with that lie that he tells people, people fall in the trap of the enemy. They make that mistake. Because people do not have the ability to discern who is speaking to them. They do not know that it's a spirit of divination 
or that they are a spiritualist or a sorcerer. What people want is for them to tell them their future, to tell them things, their present. And this way, also, the devil deceives people because he tells people one truth. Everything else is a deceit by telling them lies. And so this spirit that this girl had thought about this and said, I'm going to deceive Paul. But Paul was not deceived. And what happened? It says in verse 18, and this she did for many days. In other words, she did this many times and Paul would stay quiet. He wouldn't do anything. He waited. He waited for the right moment. And it says, and this she did for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour, glory to our God, that that evil spirit of divination came out of that girl in that moment. Of course, in verse 19, it says, But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Of course, the masters of the girl was not pleased by this girl, the slave girl, because she was no longer going to be fortune telling and they will no longer make a profit. So the apostles suffer an experience because then they are taken before the authorities. Verse 20, and they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Poor apostles. Thanks be to our God, today we do not suffer this type of persecution. The enemy persecutes us in other ways, but he no longer persecutes us for us to be beaten or to be taken to prison or stoned. That doesn't exist. Well, we also give thanks to God for allowing governments to progress and there are rights, human rights, the rights for all humans, for everyone. There's a right for everything. That is how God has wanted it in order to make things easier for us. So today, the enemy attacks us in a different way. He goes against us and persecutes us in other ways. He puts illnesses or accidents, scarcity, there is sadness, depression, mental illnesses, people commit suicide. So many things happen. And that is the way that the enemy nowadays persecutes people, goes after people to harm them. Mostly to us, those of us who are seeking the way of the Lord, he persecutes us. But the Lord has also given us a weapon to defend ourselves, which is prayer. Prayer and crying out to God because he is the one who defends us. It says in verse 23, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison commanding the jailer to keep them securely. There needed to be a lot of security for them not to escape. Having received such a charge, the jailer received this charge 
He put them into the inner prison. So into the deepest part of the prison where they were going to be very secure and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. They began to sing hymns, to sing the songs for our God, to sing psalms, to praise God and glorify him. And it says that the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. The miracle that God works immediately. There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Glory be to the Lord for that great miracle because no one can do this except our true God. That God who is invisible, God is a spirit. The true God does these wonderful things. He works miracles. He saves a person. And it isn't that this only happened at that time to say, oh, yes, look at what God did. And that's it. No, God did it and does it today and will do it tomorrow as well. Because he is the same. He does the same things today and forever. And God is powerful and he is going to protect his children to the end. Blessed is the Lord. What a wonder. The power of God. What joy and how proud are we knowing this powerful God? We are so proud to know this God. And we belong to this path that God has outlined for us. In verse 27, it says, And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. So the keeper of the prison said, No, the prison's fled. I can only do one thing. Take my life. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Glory to the Lord. How wonderful. God revealed to Paul to not escape because there was an earthquake and the doors opened, the prison doors. The Lord told Paul, stay there. It's going to help you to, I forgot the word in this moment, to, as a reference, as proof of your honesty before authority. It will help because the authorities are going to see that you are an honest man and that you did not escape, but you respected the laws and what they had established. And so they stayed there. And that helped a lot because there was a great blessing behind this gesture from Paul of not fleeing, of not taking advantage and fleeing, but staying there. And so in verse 29, when Paul tells him not to harm himself, tells the keeper, then he called for a light 
ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, the keeper. Because when he saw that Paul was there, that they had not escaped, he then understood and comprehended that this was something from God, that those men were truly preaching God, that true God. And so he, what he did was feel remorse and he believed and he was there at Paul's feet trembling, surely asking for forgiveness or asking for a blessing from God through Paul. And it says he brought them out. This keeper brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? He understood. He understood that that experience of the earthquake had been none other than God's hand manifesting itself to make him understand that those men who were there as prisoners were children of God. They were servants of the Lord, his messengers, and they needed to respect them. They needed to value and listen to them. That was what this prison keeper understood. God gave him that blessing. Surely God saw his heart and that is why God blessed him in this way. In this way with this miracle that the Lord did. And here in verse 31 it says, So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why was the gospel always believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Because the majority of them came from a law, the law of Moses. And the Lord Jesus Christ who was sent by God, that being that God had spoken about through the prophets in antiquity, that Savior or Jesus that the Lord spoke so much about through Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Hosea, Micah, Zechariah, all of those prophets, even through Moses, he also prophesied about him. When he told the people, God is going to give you a prophet like me. Speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet the prophets, after, they clarified that not only would there be a prophet, but it would be God with us who would be there preaching the word, healing People giving deliverance to those who were in bondage, cleansing and purifying, giving new life. That was that promise. When the Lord and Isaiah told them, a child will be born. A child will be born. And the government upon his shoulder. And his name will be called God with us. Speaking about our Lord Jesus Christ, his human side, because it was God himself who was going to become flesh, become human. He would become flesh in order to show the world, to confuse people, 
to confuse the people of Israel themselves, that according to him was his people, but they were going to be the first to be confused. And so the Lord spoke, saying that he was going to give this Messiah, this Savior. And in many parts of the prophets, he always said that it was going to be God with us, that he would be the perfect king, that his kingdom would not be a material one, a physical one, but a spiritual kingdom. How many times did our Lord, our God, speak through the prophets? But no one understood, no one comprehended. And when the Lord Jesus Christ came, even less, because they did not believe. But here with the apostles, we see that although they were Jews, they converted because God helped them to convert and to believe in Jesus as God, as the Son of God, and for them to follow the path of evangelization. That is how the Lord, the apostle here to this keeper, who was a Jew, he says, in order for you to be saved, you need to believe in Jesus Christ because you come from the law of Moses. But you never read Isaiah. You never read Jeremiah, the prophets, Daniel. You've never read it because if you would have read it, then you would have realized that God had announced that in the future, in the latter days, he would be sending his king, a savior, the Messiah, the prince of peace, the perfect prophet, the teacher, the high priest, because he has all of these titles. Therefore, that is what Paul could have said to this jailer. Since you did not read, you are not informed of the truth. But Jesus Christ, we need to believe in him because he is the way that leads to eternal life. Believe in him and believe that he was sent by God and that God sent him so that all who believe in him would be saved. I believe that that is the way in which Paul evangelized this jailer. He spoke to him in this way so that he made himself understood, and the jailer would say, Jesus Christ is an important person, is sent by God, and I need to believe in him because I have seen his manifestation. I have seen, I have felt this earthquake, and the door of the prison cells were open, and so I have seen God's hand. The jailer could have said, I have seen God even though he wouldn't have had him before him physically, but he saw God. He saw the miracle that God worked. He saw what the apostles preached about, that they were preaching about a powerful God. They were preaching a gospel of power, a gospel that has power, not a literal gospel that is just writing, but it has power. Because the gospel of the Lord is power from God. And those who want to and follow the true gospel of the Lord, they need to have that power from God, that manifestation. 
and they need to see God manifesting himself in their lives so that they could also attain eternal life and one day preach that wonderful truth, which is the true gospel of Jesus Christ. That is, how many things would Paul explain to this jailer? Because it says that the jailer brought him to his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced having believed in God. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the officers saying, let those men go. That is what the, the magistrates said. They told the officers, okay, you can let those men go, those who were in jail. Most likely, they were worried because of that earthquake. But they were already out. And it says here, in verse 33, I skipped over it. It says, in 31, I was mentioning when Paul said to him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. What did he want to say? It wasn't the fact that he, by believing his whole household was going to be saved. What he implied was that if you believe, and since you are the head of the household, the head of your home, then you are also going to tell them to your wife and children to believe because you are the head of the family of the household. And so everyone is going to believe. Everyone is going to follow and everyone is going to be saved because that was the great blessing that it wasn't just the jailer, but his family who also believed and most likely they were baptized as well. And that was the fulfillment of what Paul said. Believe on the Lord and you and your household will be saved. And it says that they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And we spoke about the possibility of how he spoke to this jailer. And it says, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were water baptized. Glory be to God. Now, when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Blessed is the Lord. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, humiliating us, uncondemned. We were humiliated. Being Romans, they have thrown us into prison. And now, do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. Well, Paul, in that moment, well, he appealed to his lineage and boldness since he was a Roman citizen. Paul was an important person. And he said, how could it be after they humiliate us publicly, they say, go, no, let them come themselves and get us out publicly so that those who were witnesses may see that we have not done anything bad. 
and we are innocent, and they themselves have to come and get us out. But the most beautiful thing wasn't so much for Paul. The most beautiful thing wasn't so much for the officers to come to set them free. But what happened? The miracle that God worked among them in the way that he protected them and kept them and made there be an earthquake for the prison doors to be opened and everyone was able to escape. God confirming all of the promises that he had made Paul. When God ordered them or the Lord ordered them to go and preach the gospel and to work miracles because God gave them that order and told them, preach, pray for the sick, heal, work miracles, work wonders, and the Lord will be with them, will support them, will give them power and authority and ability. All of those promises the Lord made to the apostles. And that is why they were confident preaching and proclaiming the word of the Lord. Because they saw, or in their journey, of everything that they were doing in their trips, they saw God's hand. They saw the fulfillment. That fulfillment helped them to mature spiritually, to know more about the doctrine, acquire more knowledge. Because with spiritual experiences, with the way that we live, the way that we live our daily lives in the Lord, we begin to mature and we acquire more knowledge of the word of the Lord. And there we mature little by little. We begin to understand and comprehend. Our faith is secure. And we begin to trust in the Lord, to trust in God. And that trust helps us to mature, and that maturity helps us to not fear our enemy, our persecutor. We must not fear the difficulties in our lives, tribulations, problems, difficulties that may come against us in life. We are not afraid, but we face them with power. We face them with courage, not with cowardice. And we face them so that we may be able to do, or rather, to counter and fight the enemy, to be able to confront the enemy and we, may be able to triumph in our spiritual life and help others because that is what the spiritual maturity that we acquire little by little is for. And among all of us, we are going to help each other because each person lives an experience and says, don't cry because of that tribulation, because of that problem. Do not worry. Do not feel alone or feel helpless because God is with you. What has God promised you? Trust 
and believe in God's promise. And press on. And do not pay attention to that because God is going to help you. He will give you victory. And that is what Paul lived or was living. He was traveling. And in each trip, they lived experiences. But he saw God's hand helping him in everything. And that is what made them steadfast in faith. To be more steadfast and sure. And to face important people, powerful enemies used by the main enemy. And that is how this story that we are reading about here, we are going through this wonderful story of the beginning of the church. We see this and we read, and none of this is odd to us. There aren't many new things that today we have lived, we have heard, we have seen. God has manifested himself in many people, in many countries, in a wonderful and miraculous way. The Lord has done all of this with people. And so we are joyful and we feel happy and we feel proud of having known this path, following this path, and we ask God to help us so that we may press on till the end of our days. And that God may also help us so that we may acquire that knowledge because it's what gives us that spiritual maturity where we have the strength, the courage to face all of those evil things, negative things that come to our lives and we confront them and we help our brothers and sisters the weaker ones, the newer ones, those who are just beginning, we are going to help them to press on with courage. Just as a hymn says, onward with courage. And it says here in verse 38, it says, and the officers, because Paul said, no, you need to come. Come and get us out. Come and look at our faces. And we're going to look at your faces and say, how did it go with the earthquake? How did it go? Well, and so it says, And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. They were afraid. <gasps> They're Romans. We got involved with the Romans. Now we're going to have a war. Very well. And in verse 39, Then they came and pleaded with them, so they had to come and face them. They pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. In other words, when they got to Lydia's house, what they did was, well, gather together, praise God. Pray to the Lord, pray over people, because I suppose that that person was not alone. They always would congregate everyone when the apostles would visit them, and they would congregate so that they could speak about the word of God, pray over them with the laying on of hands, and preach to them, and they would speak about 
that pure gospel, that true gospel, and to speak about the kingdom of heaven. That was the mission. That has been and was the work of the apostle. And that is the work that we today have. Because in Ephesians 4.11, it says that the Lord gave in the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, so that the believers may be perfected, so that the church may be perfect, so that everyone, it says all of us, need to reach that spiritual stature that Jesus Christ achieved as a human being because the Lord behaved as a human. And it says that we should all have that spiritual stature that he had we also must have. And if God says it, it will be so. We must not doubt. We must not doubt. Because God has said it and promised it and it is so. What God says, he does. We are not going to doubt that one day we are going to reach that spiritual stature. We are going to have that perfection. And that God is going to be pleased with us. And he will continue to work miracles and wonders. Glory to our God. Like when the Lord once here in Florida, once there was a hurricane a few years ago and the hurricane was coming and people had everything prepared and ready with food, all of their necessities. And I would pray to the Lord about that hurricane. And the Lord said, do not worry. It's not going to pass by there. I'm going to dissolve it before it gets to you. And the Lord said, do not worry. I'm not going to allow it. He also made other promises that I'm going to keep to myself. And indeed, the Lord made the hurricane lose its strength the moment it would pass by here. Because God is power. How, how are we not going to believe in God? How are we not going to believe in his word and what the Bible says? If what the Bible says, we live we are living it. We are experiencing it. How are we not going to believe? And so for those who have this Bible as an artifact for the museum, open it, read it and ask God. And God is going to answer you. And he is going to manifest himself in your lives. We are going to be praying to our Lord to help us to press on and to help you so that you may believe, trust and comprehend and find this perfect path. The path of perfection, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Father, Heavenly Father, everlasting God, everlasting Lord, our God, our creator, our owner. You are the one that rules the universe, my Lord. You cover the universe more than the universe because you are mighty. We are before you to give you thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to know your path. Thank you for this wonder, this miracle that you have done in our lives, that we may know your path, that we may know this truth, this word, because we feel, we feel you in our being. Because when we are praying, we speak in different tongues that we do not know 
or understand, nor have we learned it at any school. And you speak to us through that language. And there are visions as well, and dreams, and prophecy, Lord. When you speak what is in the depth of our heart, when you guide us, when you advise us, when you admonish us, when you correct us, if we are doing something bad, you teach us as you teach children because we are children before you. But you teach us so much, Lord, and you help us to understand your way. And so how are we not going to believe in you, Lord? after seeing all of these supernatural things that manifest themselves in our lives. And when a person for the first time comes and you speak to the depth of their heart, you search their life, their being, all of the events in their life, everything that they've done in the past. And many times those people cry saying, you are here and that you have spoken. It is God. Because they know that as humans, we cannot do anything for anyone. But you are our powerful God. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to know you. Thank you, Lord. Because among the billions of people in the world, you have looked upon us with mercy. Thank you, Father, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. And in your mercy, Lord, I ask also in this moment that you extend your healing hand because you are the divine doctor. Your healing hand upon all of those who are sick, who have incurable illnesses like cancer and have also spiritual bonds like witchcraft and sorcery. And they have those people who cannot Organize their thoughts. They cannot think or reason. They cannot speak. They cannot hear. They cannot move. Because there are bonds on their bodies, Lord. Because the devil has bound them. Lord, extend your hand and heal. Deliver. Your mercy, O oh Lord, because you are love and mercy. You are forgiveness. Father, have mercy, Lord. Give everyone happiness and that the Holy Spirit may make everyone's hearts rejoice, each person's heart. Holy Father, we give you thanks. The honor, the glory, and the praise be for you, now and forevermore. Blessed is the Lord. Praised forever. Glory to God. Yo quiero más y más de Cristo. Yo quiero más de su poder. Yo quiero más de su presencia. Yo quiero más y más de él. Yo quiero más y más de Cristo. Yo quiero más de su poder. Yo quiero más de su presencia. Yo quiero más y más de él. Glory.
baby to my Lord. That is what we want from the Lord. We want more and more of our God. May my Lord bless you all. Thank you for listening to me and the sermon. For paying attention to the sermon. I know that it's God who is there. In each one of your hearts. Reviving you. And giving you peace and joy and telling you. Press on. Do not stop. May my Lord bless you. A hug for everyone. And for the children. The kiss as usual. May my God bless you. Thank you.